Good morning, Solid Word again. We are so glad that we're able to be before you. We're so glad that um, you guys have, those of you that are in the parking lot have decided to make it out. Those of you who are watching us live on Facebook and on our website, good morning. Happy Father's Day. Thank you again for joining us. Um, we had to punt, as I said this morning, we've had to be able to change gears a little bit, but we are still able to worship. We are still able to allow the Lord to bless us and to encourage us this morning. And so I want to take us in to God's word so that we are able to be strengthened. We are able to be encouraged. We are able to hear God's heart um, this morning as we gather. We are in some really tough times. And I really want us to begin by understanding that as men in this society, you matter to God. We are going to be speaking specifically to men, but indeed this word is an encouragement to everyone. But I want our brothers this morning to understand that you matter greatly to God. And that in this time, and as things are so tough, and as we have been experiencing um, just some really hard things to deal with. We've been watching as our society has had to deal with a number of things, a global virus, a global pandemic, and then the continued increased injustices in our society, in our world, in this country. And I want you to understand and to know specifically as men that you matter greatly to God. You know, God has been characterized as our father. God has been the model for us of what a father is completely and truly and wholly like. And then as a man, he was able to send Christ, the God man on earth, and to show us what a godly human is like and what a godly man is like and how we should live as people that are attached to, connected to, that are embraced by him. And so understand that God is indeed understands manhood. He is the creator of manhood. He is the one who knows how you and I are to be as men. He is the one that understands how you and I are to live as men. And he understands the things that impact and that affect men. And specifically this morning, I want to also just encourage our black men that we understand that God's value for you, for us, is great. It is no less than his value for any other man in this society, in this world, in this country. And that God stands strong with his care and his love for men. And for today, I will even be more specific for black men. And that God loves us dearly and wants us to walk according to his ways, wants us to walk according to how he has commanded in his love and out of his power. And so this morning I have a question or I have a statement rather for us as we look at Psalm 112. I want you to look at this and I want you to think through this statement as we read through this chapter. I want us to see a man like his father. 
a man like his father. Psalm 112 is now to be considered as the male version of a Proverbs 31 woman. Many times on Mother's Day, you will hear preachers that will go to that text and would encourage women not to be the perfect woman, but to be the godly woman, not to be all those things all at once, but to have something to look forward to and to live up to. And so what we see here in Psalm 112, what we understand this to be in Psalm 112 is we are seeing a man that is like his father. And in this case, the perfect father who will be our heavenly father. And so as we look this morning, I want you also to keep your finger in Psalm 112 and then the turn to Psalm 111 because these two psalms go together. I'll encourage you today at some time that you take a look at Psalm 111, because from it you will understand Psalm 112 more. Let me just give you a little bit of background into this. Psalm 111 speaks of the character and the goodness of God the Father. It speaks of God himself. You get in this, uh, <clears throat> in this chapter, in this psalm, in this text, you get 10 verses describing who God is and how God is. We see in Psalm 111, God reminding his people of how he has worked, of, of, of out of his character, how he works. And it also gives us what we can expect from God because of that character. And then we get into Psalm 112, and we see a man who was living outside of that character described by God in Psalm 111. Now, to be clear, Psalm 112 <clears throat> can be said of any person, man or woman. And that if you read other versions, you will see in that 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 they actually make it um, gender neutral, meaning it can be for a man or a woman. And they can do that and is understood in that fashion. But do not lose sight that when this text was written in the context and in the culture of when it was written, it was written specifically or particularly to men. And so we have to understand that although everyone is included, God was specifically talking to his man in Psalm 112. As a matter of fact, both chapters, 111 and 112, are what we would call an acrostic. Each colon, each, each, each line starts with a different and succeeding letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so they both are 10 verses long. They both are similar in their thought and their theme, except one focuses on the character of God and the other focuses on the character of the man who will follow God. And so I chose this text this morning to help encourage us as men and ask the question, are you like your father? This morning, if God is your father, if you have received Christ as your savior and you are in the family of God, you should begin to bear the characteristics of your heavenly father. If you are not a believer, 
This is a great time in which you can understand the characteristics that God wants to see in your life as you embrace who Christ is. He forgives you of your sins and you are now able to live a life that God has intended as a man and as a father. And so this morning, we're going to look briefly at just four areas in which a man would be like his father. The first one that we'll look at is that this man is a properly placed man. He is in the right position under God the Father and under his father. We're going to look at next is that he is a prosperous man. He is one that because he is like his father, the prosperity that comes, and I'm not just talking about finances, the prosperity that comes is because he bears the characteristics of his father. Then thirdly, I want them to see that not only is it a properly placed man, a prosperous man, he is a secure man and one that will be able to live on mission and live according to the will of God and in task with God because he is under his father. And then lastly, we want to look at this man is an aware man, that he understands that he lives in a society that everyone is not excited about him living for God and him living out of the character and living on mission from God. He will understand that he will anger some people that do not want to live for God. And so let's get started in the first one. And I'm not going to read through the whole chapter all at once. I'm going to read it for the section that we're going to be looking at. So a properly placed man, the psalm starts off, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Now I'm going to take you back to Psalm 111 for just a moment because it starts off in the same way. It says, praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. This is a man. This is a person who has put themselves in the proper place under God. One, that person is a praised filled man. In other words, his life is one in which he praises God throughout his existence under God. He realized who God is and the natural response is praise. Even in difficult times, we don't have to like what's going on around us and you shouldn't. But we indeed can still give praise to God because he is the perfect father who is still in control regardless of the havoc that we see around us. Praise the Lord. That is where you are. But also this properly placed man is one who places himself in the fear of God. What do I mean by that? It is this reverence and it is this awe for God. And because of that, when he believes what God has revealed about himself, the natural response of the properly placed man is to have a reverence and an awe for God. What does that mean? That you value what he says, that you value how he wants you to live, that you don't live according to your own ways. You don't even live according to the ways of this society if they are counter to the ways of God. You live according to God because you hold him high 
above everything else. You fear God and thus no one else do you fear like you fear him. And so you are not overcome by what society does, by what society says, because your fear for God directs you above all. And we're going to see a little later why this is important. When you have a fear for God, you won't have a fear of man. When you have a fear for God, you won't have a fear for what man can do to you because you realize that your mission is under the one who is to be feared. And so this is a properly placed man. He says he greatly delights in God's commandments. The word of God is important to him. The full word of God, not just select verses that you like, all of it. And so when God speaks of how you live your life, when God speaks of how you go about making your decisions, it is based on the word of God. When God tells you to stand up for the for the vulnerable and when God tells you to stand up for justice, that's the word of God. When God tells you to speak for those whose voices are ignored or who have no voice. That is the word of God. When the Lord tells you to live holy and righteous, when everyone around you chooses to live differently, that is the word of God. When the word of God tells you to stand alone. When many around you want to discount what God says, that's the word of God. So understand this properly placed man loves God and fears him and thus loves his word. Are you like your father? Next then is, not only is he a properly placed man, he is a prosperous man. Verses two through six will show us what that prosperity means. Verse two says, his offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Verse two says, first of all, his prosperity will be in his family. Look at what he says. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The man who places himself under God is filled with praise for God and whose life represents the fear of God will raise children that will be great in the land. Understand the promise there. You want your kids to be great. You want your kids to be known in the world. Father, live for God. Show them what it means to be a godly man. Show them what it means to live in the fear of God and watch your kids find out what it means to follow God and to live. The scripture here says his offspring will be mighty or will be influential. They will be people of influence. And not just because of their job, mainly because of their character. The context of this is such that understand the context is when a man uh, governs his life under the word of God and by the fear of God, his children become influential because they pattern their life after their father who is patterning his life after his father. This is amazing. We all want our children to do well. 
We all want our children to succeed. We all want our children to do great things. The best way to get them on track with that, the best way is to let them see a life influenced by God. Let them see a life unafraid of man, but fearing the ways of the Lord. You want to have children that will influence this world? What better than to have them influenced from a position of integrity and, and, to, and to be on task with the mission of God? He says, his offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. And what he is saying is that that generation of influential children, of people that come from a home that is strong in God, will stand up in the world mighty and they will bless the world because of who they are. They're not going to walk in step with the world. They're going to lead and to show the world how to live because they are living like their father who is living like his father. The prosperity continues. I like the fact that God here didn't start off with prosperity with possessions. He started it off with people because that true wealth is in the people that you influence. And yes, it does involve possessions, but you take the possessions to bless people. And what he says here is wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. And I want you to keep those two together because the moment your wealth and your riches that you have cause you to live unrighteously, that is not God's design for you. He says wealth and riches are in his house. Why? Because he's living a life of integrity and he keeps his righteousness while he keeps his wealth. Today we have this thing in our society that actually says that in order to be wealthy, you got to do it by any means necessary, that you've got to cut corners, you've got to step on people, you've got to abuse, you've got to mistreat, you've got to misuse in order to maintain your wealth. We have people crying out today because some of our leaders in our country are more interested in their wealth then they're interested in the welfare of the people. And so what ends up happening is that their righteousness is not maintained. If you cannot maintain your righteousness while you attain your wealth, you're attaining your wealth in an ungodly manner. And so we understand here that what the Lord is saying to us is that indeed that that righteous man, that that prosperous man will have his wealth and his riches in connection with his righteousness as he lives for God. Not only that, that prosperous man is that light that dawns in the darkness. Number one, he is a resource for others. He is a resource for for others to see the light that is in the darkness. And boy, if this verse does not apply to now, I don't know what verse does. The righteous man uses his resources, his talents, his skills, his ability to bring light into the darkness around them. The light dawns for him because even if he is in darkness, even if he is, <clears throat> even if darkness is swarming all around him, he does not succumb to it because the light of God is in him and thus the light of God emanates from him to his world around him. 
And so he becomes a light to other people by the way he lives and by the way he uses his resources. Are you like your father? I think this is this is a this is really good for us to see and hear. And this is not just for men here. This is for all of us. Are we using the wealth that God has given us and the resources to bring light in the darkness? Or are you just amassing it for yourself? Are you just enjoying your life by yourself? Are you just enjoying the resources that God has given you? Or are you using it sometimes even sacrificially to make sure that others are brought up with you, that others can see God and live for God and understand that God wants them to live in peace and wants them to live in dignity and wants them to live in justice. Are you using your resources to bring light to those that are in darkness? We need it right now. And when we have people that are standing up and people that are protesting and people that are crying out according to God's mission and God's way for justice in our land. Are you using what you've been given to bless and to help others? A prosperous man is one that is like his father. He doesn't let his wealth take him off of his mission for God. He doesn't let his wealth take him away from conducting his affairs in the right way. Look at the second part of verse four. It says he is gracious, merciful and righteous. Many times wealth and riches and graciousness and mercifulness don't go together in our society, but they do in the family of God. He said he is a light in the darkness. He is gracious. He is merciful and he is righteous. This is still in the prosperity. This is still in this prosperous man. Verse five says, it is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be removed. That prosperity continues because in this particular one, he says, who deals generously and lends two different things. He understands that there are times that he is to give of himself and of his resources, not expecting anything in return, because that is the giving part. In scripture, you will talk, you will see it spoken of in generosity and giving, and you will also speak it of generosity and lending. And the lending was without, what they said, without interest. In other words, they were not using people. I'm not talking about you being a bank, but in this particular case, these are two different things. One, that prosperous man understands there are times that he needs to give to others that are in need, knowing he will not get what he is giving back. And he has to be willing to do that. But then the second one is there were times in this culture and society when he would lend. In other words, people that had the ability to pay it back, typically landowners, 
people that owned things, they owned cattle, but they were in a position at that moment where they could not pay for what they had and the businesses and the land that was theirs. And so people would lend to them until they would be in a position to where they're back on where they could be and they would pay them back. And so this is a man who understands the difference between giving sacrificially and lending judiciously. He lends knowing that this business here is struggling. My brother here is hurting, so I'm going to lend to him. I know he's going to pay me back. I know he has the means to. I know he has the ability to, but right now he needs your help. I'm going to tell you right now, that's some of our businesses going on right now. What businesses are you lending to by giving them your service, by giving them your support, by giving them your pledge to come around and help them, knowing that at some point in time, they're going to get back on their feet and be able to bless you again and maybe be able to pay you back. That man knows the difference because he is a prosperous man. Are you like your father? Are you giving where you know you won't give back? And are you willing to support and lend to where that person just needs you for a time? The prosperous man knows the difference. And then not only is he a prosperous man, he is a secure man. And this one is great. I want us to hear this one out. It says, verse seven, he is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. Understand, this is where I said the beginning that the fear of God will actually where the fear of God comes into play because he fears God. Nothing else does he or or he is he afraid of more than his fear, his his reverence for who God is. He says he is not afraid of bad news. Why? Because he fears God. He knows where God sits. He knows that he is under that God. And even if he is going through a hard time, a hateful time, a difficult time, he is not afraid to handle it. He is not afraid to live in that time. Why? Because he's under his father. Are you living in fear right now? Is the fear of what's happening in our society beginning to overwhelm you? God wants you to know, especially as a man, that although you may fight against what is happening in our society that may be unjust, the fear of the Lord settles you and the fear of the Lord directs you and the fear of the Lord keeps you because you are not afraid of anything else when you are settled in God. Whatever happens to you, you know, as you are on mission for God and you are on task for God, that he is covering you. Does that mean that your life may never be harmed? No, it doesn't. As we look throughout scripture, we see that people who lived for God at times had their lives taken from them. But they did it willingly, knowing that God had their lives in his hand. They were still unafraid. 
It is why Jesus on the cross, when he was being unjustly crucified, can say to his father, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. His fear for his father caused him not to fear what man could do. And thus, because he doesn't fear what man can do, he can do whatever God tells him and and has instructed him to do. And so he stays on mission firmly. Understand what he says. And because he is not afraid of bad news, when he conducts his affairs, I'm going to go back into the previous verse, when he conducts his affairs with justice, he is not afraid of the pushback that he gets. Why? Because he is on mission from God. He does everything out of the character of God. And even if there are some that do not like and push back against him, he understands that he is doing what God has directed. So on your job, if they push back against your ways of integrity, you still stay the same, fearing God, even if it may cost you some of your job. When you are in society and you push back against what's happening around us or people that are not living according to God's dictates and you push back and you know what? And, 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 and there may be some folk who turn you off and turn away. You're not afraid of that. Why? Because you are on mission for God. You know that you are in his approval and because of that, you keep moving forward. He's a secure man. It says his heart is firm. In other words, his heart does not waver. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should. God, I don't know if I, I, I maybe I shouldn't have decided that, that I was going to live for you. Maybe I, you know what? No one else is doing this. Why am I? Or not enough people are doing this. Or God, they don't hear you. They don't seem to be responding to you, God. And so what he says is, I'm not afraid of that. I'm still on mission for God. He says, not only is his heart firm, he trusts in the Lord. He does not turn away just because he gets news that is difficult. Why does he trust God? Because he knows God's character. He knows God will respond in his own timing, that he knows that God remains faithful to his word if no one else does. He knows that he can take pain if he needs to because it may be what's necessary to continue the mission. And then it says his heart is steady. He will not be afraid. Why mention that again? If he is not afraid of bad news and his heart is firm, trusting in the Lord, why does the psalmist need to say his heart is steady? He will not be afraid because he stays on course. The hardest thing to do when there's so much havoc around you is to stay focused and to stay on course. Where is God leading you? What is he telling you to do based on his word? How is he telling you to live based on his word? What mission does he have you on? Do you even know? Are you like your father? He rests in the fact that his father's desires, his father's mission, and his father's plan will be accomplished 
if he continues to stay on task. And it says he stays tense. He stays steady, knowing that he will look in triumph on his adversaries. Those things which are against God will be overcome and he knows that they will be. And so he stays on course, knowing that God will triumph in what God has ordained. But then lastly, up before I forget, verse nine, it says he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. Understand this again, this secure man, even when hard times hit, he is still giving. Look at what he says that even when he is being pushed back against, he doesn't quit and say, I'm not doing this anymore, God. This isn't worth my time. This isn't worth all my energy. He stays steady. And as a matter of fact, look at how he stays steady. He keeps his eyes on the vulnerable. He keeps his eyes on the person who needs his help, whether it be his immediate family or the people surrounding him in his community. It said he's, he, he, what, he distributes um, generously, he still gives, his heart is still in the right place. He is still exhibiting the character of God. I will urge you to take a look at Psalm 111 and you'll see this man in 112 is doing this because he is doing what his father is doing for all of humanity. And so he gets to do it specifically for some of humanity because he saw what daddy was doing. And then we get lastly... Not only is he a secure man, but he is an aware man. He's not naive. He understands that this kind of life will get severe pushback. But he understands what's going to happen in the end. He has a view and he has eyes on the end. If you look around you and you see the wicked prospering, I'm going to give you another psalm to take a look at. Take a look at Psalm 73 when you have some downtime and to see how David talked about that, about how his foot almost slipped when he saw the prosperity of the wicked, when he saw evil people prospering, he began to stumble in his steps, in his walk and to almost say, God, is it worth it? But then he says, then he went into the house of the Lord or for us, that would be then he went into the presence of the Lord. He got around God and then he was able. He says, I saw their end. And this is what we need to focus on here. An aware man understands he's not just living for now. He's living with eyes on the future. And he knows that those that are against God and then are pressing in against him, he knows what their end is like so it doesn't deter him. Look at what it says. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. This man understands that not everyone is going to live righteously. Not everyone is going to live according to God's plan. Not everyone is going to live according to God's word. What this man sees is that there are wicked that he's angry at how the godly man is living. He is angry at his giving. He is angry at, at, at his supporting those who are vulnerable. He is angry at his living righteously according to God's word and that he's not living according to any human agency, that he is living according to the word of God. Look at what he says. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. 
and he says the desires of the wicked will perish. This is so that you and I, as godly men, will understand this. There are evil men who will seek to stop you from living out godly and living out your mission in God. And God says, here's what I want you to know about him. Yeah, they are worried about you. They don't like you. They are pressing in on you, but they are melting away. He said they fade away. He said they can't stand against the godly. Oh, they may seem to have some success, but understand they can't stand. Eventually they will melt. Eventually they will move away. What comes to mind is when you see lovely ice sculptures at weddings or at fancy events, as wonderful as those ice sculptures are, give it time in the, in, in the environment. It is going to melt as grand as they may seem one time at some given time. They will only be a puddle of water. That's all they'll be. And so today what God is reminding you and I, yes, there are wicked around. Yes, they don't like the way that you are. You are living and that you are going to live. But understand it doesn't matter. They will go away one day. When is that one day? I don't know. And that's not my business. God says, you just stay steady. Why? Because you're like your father. So my question becomes to you today. Are you like your father? Yes, you may not have had a father that has been grand or you may have had a father that has been good. Both of those fathers do it with imperfections. But understand that your heavenly father, the one who calls you today, says, I want you to be like me. Regardless of what you saw as a model or an example, God is calling you to look at him as father and for you to have his characteristics, you to have his ways, you to represent him, you to look like him. And so when people see you, they see your father. This morning, it is by God's power, it is by his spirit, and it is through your obedience that you will be like your father. Will you? Or, or are you going to join many men today who are going to be like someone other than God and will represent someone other than God in this world and will end up with their desires not being met because that last verse says, the desires of the wicked will perish. For the desires of the evil will fail. Your desires will never be meant for true manhood outside of God. Your desires to fulfill all of who you want to be will never be met outside of God. Will you be like your father? Pray with me today. Lord, I thank you that you are the perfect father. I thank you, Lord, that you are our heavenly father. I thank you, Lord, that you are the God who cares about us. I thank you that you are the God, Lord, who has set it up so that we can live grandly, Lord, that we can live holy, Lord, that we can live righteously for you and that we can be people who represent your character. I pray today, God, that you would help us to understand that living for you and living like you is what was intended all along. And Father, I pray that we would be men today who would live like our Father. If there are any today that don't know you, I pray, God, that they would come to know oh, you through, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that coming to know the Father, being a part of the family of God through Christ, is your desire. I pray, God, that they would come to you seeking forgiveness,
um, God, in repentance and embracing you in obedience so that they may realize how to live like true godly men. We ask you this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. This morning, I want to thank you so much for joining us. For those of us that are outside in the parking lot who did come before we had decided to transition inside, thank you again. I hope indeed that you were blessed. For those of you watching us by live stream, indeed, I hope again that you are blessed that we as men can be like our father. And for some of us, you have great fathers. I thank God for my father and the man that he has been and is still today and had a chance to speak with him and talk with him yesterday. And, and you know what, just to be able to hear that, that loving, godly voice, but I know that's not the case with everyone. But even though I've had this godly father who has not always been godly, but now is, I understand that he now is like his father, his heavenly father, and thus he has helped to show me how I can be like my heavenly father. And men out there today, you are to show your sons and your daughters what it means to be a man who looks and follows after God. And to let them know that although they can be like you some, but in, you know, inevitably you point them towards the Heavenly Father. Because in Him is perfection and in Him is satisfaction. Be blessed today. Be encouraged. Have a great week. And understand that God is with you as you are living under him. Amen. Even if that 
means suffer, bleed, hang like a sign for you. Look, Jesus rose shortly after he chose to die for you. Sin chokes us out, Christ came to untie the noose. He gave me the choose to get in his groove to refute the music that's blinding our youth. He's blessing us in our sleep like a fictional character when she finds your tooth. Ooh. Search for Jesus, you gon' find the truth A branch that's connected to the vine Ain't gotta find the fruit Wait a minute, God is calling me Even though he can see all the flaws in me His grace and mercy chased me down and it's all in me He gave the best, so I'll give him all of me He calling me He keep calling me He keep calling me Am I listening or do I fall asleep? He keep calling me He keep calling me He keep calling me Do I hear the call of God audibly? He keep calling me Keep calling me, keep calling me. Am I listening? Or do I fall asleep? He keep calling me, he keep calling me, he keep calling me. Do I hear the call of God audibly? Keep calling me.